when you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of From Hostage to Hero. Uh, we are so excited. We're getting closer and closer to the book actually being here in physical form. I cannot wait. And uh, the membership every week that goes by, we're getting closer to that as well and launching that. If you want some more information, I'm not sure when this podcast goes out, but we may have the From Hostage to Hero website up at that point. That's the goal. So go check out from hostagetohero.com and you can see the cover of the book and you can read a little bit about the membership and we'll be adding more to that uh, website as we go through the rest of the fall and before we open up the membership in January. Again, remember that the membership is going to house a static course in there um, that will have the teaching from the book that you can access and watch videos of me demonstrating the skills. We're going to have live events in there where you can watch live teaching. We can live stream uh, things like me forming a group in the jury so you can actually watch it live as it's happening. We're going to have guest speakers. We're going to have coaching that you can take part of, places for you to practice, upload video. I mean, it is going to be so sweet. So be on the lookout for that, my friends. Okay, and I think we might also have studio dates uh, on the website at sorrydlm.com. We might also post those on From Hostage Hero. We haven't been really clear on which website we're doing what. But here's the basic gist is that sorrydlm.com is to find out more about me. And From Hostage to Hero is all things From Hostage to Hero. Basically one of our products, you know, our book, our podcast, the membership, that kind of thing. Alrighty. Well, today we're talking about how your struggles determine your success. So last week we talked about the three things that tend to get in the way of most of my clients. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, you may want to go back and listen to that one before you listen to this one, uh, because we really set up this, the scene for the idea that you need to know what you want you need to stop waiting until you feel ready, basically, and you have to be willing to fail. If any of those three things are not present, you will be holding yourself back from your greatest life and your greatest work, which is what my job is all about, is helping you attain that. Whatever it is you want, I want to get it for you. <laughs> I want to help you get it, I should say. So, Today, I thought a nice counter to that podcast episode would be discussing the flip side or the dark side or the shadow side of deciding what it is that you want. And there's this great article, and if we can get it in the podcast notes, um, I'm going to do everything I can to do that. But it's an article by, let me look it up here, um, 
Mark Manson. Mark Manson is the one that's written all the fuck books, you know, like what the fuck do you want? Or (laughs) that's not the name of it. I can't remember what it is. I was leaning over to look. Um, Everything's fucked. Whatever. I mean, he's like, if you love the F word, you'll love Mark Manson. And you all know that I love the F word. And I read the book. It's an orange cover. Damn it. I can't remember the name of it. But um, it's an orange cover book. And he has so many F words in there that I was almost like, okay, enough with the F word. So you know there's a lot if you know that I'm already struggling with how many there is. You know what? I'm just going to look it up right now as I'm podcasting um, because it's just going to drive me crazy not remembering the name of this book the subtle art of not giving a fuck that's the first one i read 2016 he also has one in 2019 called everything is fucked um which is funny because the picture i'm looking at online has the whole fucked is like blacked out so that's hilarious okay so he has this article before i read any of his books in fact that's one of the reasons i bought the book i just loved this article and it's it's an old article. It's 2016 now, so it's been, it's been three four years since he wrote it. And the title of the article, if you want to Google it, if we somehow can't get it in the podcast notes, or you're not anywhere near a computer right now, and later you just want to Google it, is you probably know to ask yourself, "What do I want?" Here's a way better question. And so the point that he makes in the article is that everybody wants to feel good. Everybody wants to have a carefree life is what he says. Amazing sex relationships, make money, look good, be popular, blah, 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 blah. And that we spend so much time as a society. Um, well, I wouldn't agree with this, that we spend so much time as society. Cause I think we, as I said in the last podcast episode, don't spend enough time talking about what it is that we want. But if you are talking about goals, plans, whatnot, We tend to talk a lot about what it is that we want and people say things like what all the things that I just mentioned, you know, great relationships, money, popular health, blah, blah, blah. But his point, and I thought this was such a good point, is that all of the things that you want require struggle. They require some type of bad times. Okay. I think you would all agree that anything that we want, for example, let's just take the example of relationships. If you want to have a relationship with someone, a significant other, there is not, that's not going to be smooth sailing the entire time. That means you're also choosing to disagree from time to time. You're also choosing not to have the ability to have the last say in everything now for the rest of your lives, (laughs) that you have to take someone else into consideration. That means that you don't get to paint the bedroom peach colored when you love peach because the other person can't stand peach. Not that I stand, I'm speaking from experience. Yes, I did love peach when I was like 16, but not anymore. It means that by choosing a relationship, you are also choosing the things that come along with a relationship, which aren't always shiny, bright, and fun. Uh, it's, it's like that saying, or who said that when you pick up one, one end of the stick, you also pick up the other. I mean, take, it, take for example, money. So we all want money. We all want to have lots of money. I wouldn't say we all do, but most people do. And when you 
think about the idea of having money, then you have to think about making money. And then there's having to go to work and put in time and do things that you may not necessarily want to do. And so (laughs) his point in the article is the message we've gotten, the message we've received is you've just got to want it enough. If you just want whatever it is that you want enough, you can make it happen. And he calls bullshit on that. And I'm going to call bullshit on that too. Now, you know that I believe that you can create whatever you want in your life. In fact, the life you have right now is exactly the life you created by your choices. And that may become as an amazing relief, but I think to most people that just makes them angry when I say that. Because they they point to all these different things that have happened to them and they say, this was out of my control and therefore my life is not the way that I want it to be. But But notice how I didn't say your life is how you want it to be. I said your life is how it is because you've created it based on how you have decided to react or respond to those things that have seemingly happened to you based on the choices that you have made. And you know what the great part about this is, which is not what this podcast is about, but just as a side note, is that just like you created the life that you have right now, you can also totally 100% create a new life by making new choices right now. That's the exciting part. Talk about two ends of the stick. There really is two ends of the stick on that one. All right, but back to our point about when you choose something, you also choose the shadow side or the dark side. It's not enough to want something and and that's it. And that's how it ends. You also have to want the bad stuff that comes with it. And that's a really weird way to look at this. But I think if you if you really grasp this concept, This will help you so much in life because it's helped me so much in life. He gives a great example in the article about how he wanted to be a musician. And so he practiced, he went to music school, he got gigs on the weekends and and he said he wanted it a lot. He wanted it, quote unquote, enough. But at the end of the day, when he really put it together, he did not like finding a group to practice with, finding a place to practice with, lugging his gear around, you know, all that kind of thing. He didn't like the underside of what he had chosen and therefore he couldn't make it work or he decided not to make it work. And this is what I really want you to be considering when we're talking about want, because we were talking about want in the last episode, is that wanting what you want isn't enough. You also have to want the shit sandwich that comes as a side (laughs) with the thing that you've ordered. And once you actually embrace that part of it, boy, does everything else get easier. Because I find so many people say, this is what I want. And they expect, you know, the sun to be shining and the birds to be singing and everything to be going hummingly along their way. And then when the shit comes and the shit sandwich gets served to them, they're like, well, what the fuck is this? This doesn't make any sense. I didn't sign up for this. Yes, you did. And that's the part. That right there. It's your struggles that determine 
your success. You've got to pick those just as carefully as you pick the thing that you want. So let me give you an example from my life. So I'm an entrepreneur. I always joke that I've never had a real job. That's not totally true. Um, I did open a Target store here when Target was first around. I know for all of you young people younger than me, you're like, oh my God, you were like around before Target existed. Like, how did you survive? Uh, <laughs> I don't even think I'm very old. I'm 47. Uh, but yes, I existed before Target existed. And uh, they were you know, calling for people to come and work. And I got a job in customer service. So I did work at Target. My parents also had a Scandinavian gift shop for nearly 30 years and I worked there for several years when I was going through music school and college but for the most part ever since I could get a job I was always doing jobs that I was the boss so that was teaching piano that was you know babysitting whatever it may be as soon as I got out of music school I you know I had my own studio of students and yeah I would take side gigs like teaching at the university as an adjunct professor but even there you know you don't really have a body I mean, you do but you're pretty much on your own you're teaching your own class you just have to kind of get some paperwork in and hardly anyone ever observes you so on and so forth so I really from the very beginning I am an entrepreneur. It's in my blood. My parents were entrepreneurs. I love being an entrepreneur. I love the freedom that comes with it. I love the fact that Kevin and I can take off now with our daughter, Elena, and go to Finland for a month, and we can just make that decision. I love that I can wake up and be like, you know what? I'm going to take the next three days off. Now, <clears throat> that becomes less and less possible the more and more clients I have because, of course, I want to keep commitments to people when I've made those commitments. But the point being is that I love, love, love the freedom that comes along with being an entrepreneur. But here's what I've learned along the way. There is also a shit ton of stuff that I hate about being an entrepreneur. The first one being financial insecurity. I mean, especially in the first couple years of, of working, the, I would say the first five or 10 years of being in this business on my own by myself, I mean, that was scary as hell. It was, where's my next, you know, money going to come from? How am I going to pay the bills? I remember when I first moved back to Oregon, because I was in California for a couple of years when I first started my business, and I would literally spend the day driving around, stopping at schools, because I started in the school system with the nonverbal stuff, and waiting until the principal had to see me because I wasn't going to leave, and dropping off a packet of my information, and then calling up and whatever. And that's how I really built my business. It's just really from the ground up. But during all of that time, it was always frightening. Of how was I going to pay my bills? And, you know, at this time I was divorced. I wasn't, uh, I didn't have a husband. Uh, I didn't have a second income that could help. It was just me and I had to make it work. There's the administrative tasks. There's the things I don't like managing people. This is why I always hire amazing people because they can manage themselves. You know, I, I hate that part of it. I just want to like do my thing and like everyone else has to deal with their stuff. Of course, that doesn't work. I need to answer questions and help shape how we run the business. And I have to call the bank from time to time and do all the fucking things that I hate doing. But here's the thing. I could easily take a job and become a corporate trainer somewhere or maybe even started a law firm as a paralegal because I know so much about that or whatever it may be and get that steady paycheck and I would fucking hate it. I, along with loving my job, also have learned 
to embrace, and maybe I'm not at love yet, working toward loving the underbelly of it too, the struggle, the shadow side of what I do, which is the financial insecurity at times. Thankfully, I've moved past that now. You know, business is doing great, but who knows? That could shift and change. That's always the risk of the entrepreneur. Now we're doing great and and business is wonderful and I have more business than I know what to do with. But it wasn't always that way. And yet for me, because I loved the work so much, it wasn't a problem. I would borrow, beg, steal before I went and took a job working for somebody else because I loved, loved, loved the work that I was doing. I also could embrace the dark side or the shadow side of the job. And so this is my, my, my call to you to think about this. What is it that you want? Yes, that's the question we asked you in the last podcast. But do you also want and can you embrace the struggle that comes with it? Because if you can't, then this is, you need to be looking at something else to do. If you thought becoming a trial attorney was going to be like law and order, (laughs) you already know that that's not what it's like. You also have to embrace the quote unquote shadow side of your work. The opposing counsel that makes every interaction a drawn out nightmare. The, The fact that you have to put up your own money to bring a case to trial. And sometimes that's a really scary thing. You know, clients that you don't particularly love or say stupid shit on the stand after you've told them not to ever say that. You know, experts that don't deliver or don't show up or say the wrong thing. Depositions that last days when it was only supposed to be three or four hours. I mean, these are all the things that come along with this job that you've chosen. And railing against that or even worse, being surprised that that's part of the deal is only going to add to your unhappiness. You've got to embrace the underside of the work that you do, because that's really where things get good. I mean, so much of my work is helping you see everything clearly, not just communicate clearly, but really see what it is that you're doing. And every time you rally against or get upset with or shake your fist in the air about, you know, losing trial or any of the other things that I just mentioned, you are causing yourself unnecessary suffering. But when you get to a place of acceptance, when you say this is part of the deal, there are times when you win a case and you are on cloud nine and you just feel like the best fucking attorney on the planet. And there are other times when you either lose or your client's giving you trouble or the opposing counsel is making your life a nightmare. And those are the moments where you can't be like, what the fuck? This isn't how it's supposed to be. That's the moment where you get to say, this is totally par for the course. This is part of doing work I want and love to do. And that is, in fact, a question for you. Can you embrace the struggle? Because if you can't, then you need to find something else to do. I don't want to be kicking trial attorneys out of this world. But what I will say is this world that you've chosen to operate in, this trial attorney universe, is one that will absolutely chew you up and spit you out if you don't get super clear ahead of time about what it means to do this work. 
I have to embrace as an entrepreneur all the bullshit stuff that I don't want to have to do. And by embracing that and knowing that it's part of the deal, I reduce my suffering and I can focus more clearly on my want. And that's really what we were talking about in the last podcast when I said it's not just about what you want. It's also about your why, why you want those things. So for example, I was listening to Brooke Castillo's um, podcast, the Life Coach School podcast, and she had an episode, if we can get this in the podcast notes, that'd be great too, but it was an episode called uh, A Hard Why or How Hard Is Your Why or something like that. But it's all about how your why needs to be absolutely solid because again with that idea that if you don't know what you want and why you want it when things get hard you're going to quit and she was giving the example of someone who says well I just want to make a ton of money and she said okay well why and they said so I can you know work less I can have you know I can work three days a week like you do Brooke I mean this is a life coach who makes 17 million dollars a year working three days a week She's brilliant. If you listen to her podcast, you can tell why she's she's so well off. But she said, that's not a good why. And the person was like, I don't get it. What are you talking about? And she said, because what you're saying is what you want is a life of comfort. But to get that life, you have to go through discomfort, which you'll never do if that's what your ultimate goal is, a life of comfort. And she's so right. That's absolutely incongruent. Your why has to be stronger than that. Your why has to be clearer than that. You have to love your want. Like I love my job. I love my job. I mean, I can't tell you how much I love learning from you, working with you, um, learning about your world, reading all the books that are out there, taking that information and helping you clarify it and use it and and show up in a big way. I love my job. I love my job so much that when the check doesn't come in from such and such client or, you know, I'm thinking about years ago and I, you know, couldn't make my bill on this or I had to deal with that administrative thing. I love my job so much that I didn't just quit and go take a job at some corporate place because it was safer. That's how much I love my job. And that's how much you have to love your job so that you can put up with all the bullshit that comes along with it. You know, Mark Manson in the, in the article says, I sometimes ask people, how do you prefer to suffer? And I think that's a great question. How do you prefer to suffer? If it's by dealing with opposing counsel and not so great clients, and maybe you decide you don't want to deal with not so great clients. You're only going to work with clients you absolutely adore. That's absolutely something you can choose, by the way. But whatever it is that you're choosing that you want, you have to also choose the dark side. You have to choose how you want to suffer because when you embrace that and you accept it, then you let go of all the angst that comes around it and then you can really focus on continuing to work toward your life purpose, whatever that may be. So I just wanted to give you something else to consider as we're talking about wanting and waiting and being willing to fail. And that is this idea of your struggles defining your success and choosing how you want to suffer and choosing that actively and consciously instead of being surprised or rallying against the idea that your wants should be easy, should come without any problems, so on and so forth. Choose wisely, my friends. All right, until next time. 
That's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero. But head to our website, sorrydlm.com, for other must-have resources from Sorry Delamart. Read the transcript of this podcast, watch trial tip videos, or download your free copy of Sorry's article, Why Jurors Hate the Hobby Question. We're glad you joined us today, and until next time, remember that to lead a hostage to freedom, you must first free yourself.